to the Tony Parks Podcast. Hope your weekend was a good one. Holidays around the corner. Hope your family is safe and healthy. Hope you're all hanging in there during such a crazy, crazy time. As always, love it when you join us, whether it's on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, more, all of it. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do here with the Tony Parks Podcast on the Utah Podcast Network. I had the chance to fill in on ESPN 700 over the past uh, week or so, and I'll do it again here going forward during the month of December. I have some spot duty and uh, really grateful for Bill Riley, Spence Chegetz, Porter Larson, everybody there for their support and, and for the opportunity to jump on the air, have some fun with those of you in the market. Uh, this time of year is always a lot of fun with different sports and stuff, but it's still weird to not have like the conference championship games this past weekend, right? And then to not have NBA games going on. Like stuff like that is still so bizarre. And while I'm going through it, sometimes I have to remind myself like, oh yeah, it's December. Like I'm so used to certain benchmarks at certain times of the year that tell me where we are in the month or or even the day of the month in within each and every year. And that has been... Uh, very bizarre here so far this year. But uh, the support of all the listeners, by the way, awesome. Just awesome. So huge thanks to you uh, as well. I mean, we don't always have to agree on everything when it comes to sports opinions. But what I love about sports is it's it should always be a great and respectful discussion. Always. And, and a lot of fun to be mixed in with it uh, as well. So speaking of fun, that was a great game over the weekend. Really a lot of fun. Great game over the weekend between BYU and Coastal Carolina. Really fun to watch. Uh, I was excited to see everything that was happening with these two teams, putting that game together, giving us a chance to watch two ranked teams fighting for something really big going forward in their program's history. How it came together was awesome. The equipment truck story, that was fun. The buildup for the game was fun. The Mullets versus Mormons t-shirts were hilarious and classic and will be remembered forever. And I think it would be awesome if those two teams could put together a yearly, you know, sort of, uh, uh, or put together a number of deals in the future with home and homes and, and to play the East Coast and then to, to come out to the, the mountain time zone and have it be the Mormons versus the Mullets, especially if Coastal Carolina could regularly be a really good program there in the Sun Belt and then have BYU be one of the better non-Power 5 teams. It would be a very cool thing to see. It's something you can build. And and that kind of stuff is everything that we really do love about the buildup and the excitement surrounding a really big game and a lot of the fun with college football. So it was cool. The game was entertaining, back and forth. Kept you glued to what was happening right up to the very last play. It had you on the edge of your seat, and it was... Fun to see and be a part of. And the game was decided by a yard. So that drama, that excitement, it was all there. With that said, both these teams were fighting for a hopeful berth into a New Year's Six game 
with the hopes and prayers to land there as an at-large team. And while I love the battle between these two, if I'm holding them to that standard, I didn't see that quality apply. Just being really honest. From either team. Seriously, if Dax Milne pinballs his way into the end zone on the final play, I'm not coming on here right now banging on the drum saying, see, you have to let them in now. No. Absolutely not. There there was someone on the broadcast during the game that mentioned right before halftime. They they were like, oh, these two teams are putting out a show for the college football playoff committee, and they're making a real case. I, I disagreed. It was entertaining, but I wasn't watching the quality of play that led me to believe that this should be the year where you had the winner of a game like this to make a serious case to be an at-large for the New Year's Six. Now, I know Coastal could still find a break if Cincinnati loses or they're the higher-ranked, you know, uh, non-power or G5 to, to get the auto bid. I got it. But the, the point is that that's out of their control. So they need, most likely, to find themselves that at-large spot that BYU was also fighting for. And I, I, I just, I'm not trying to be an elitist here. Because I'm the very first to admit that I think college football is the most unfair sport out there. Especially to non-Power 5 teams. I'm just doing my very best here to be very honest. And I didn't think either team reached the level that I saw out of like UCF in those couple of years that they were uh, the New Year's 6 G5 team. And they were the auto bid, by the way. I'm just saying like, even if I really held you to a high-level non-Power 5 standard, right? Like, even that. I didn't see the quality of play from either team that showed me what Houston looked like in 2015 or Western Michigan the year after. Right? So no matter who won the game, I was entertained. They put on a great show for us in terms of excitement, but I wasn't sold by either team to make the case that they were going to try and make. And by the way, both teams deserve a lot of love and praise. Just not as much as they were hoping for. You know, in terms of the case they were trying to make. And and I'm glad that they put this game together. That was awesome. That was awesome. So I'm going to get to four things that I want to hit here with BYU uh, after this game. My immediate thoughts after this game. Number one, great they played the game. Just because I'm grateful they played the game doesn't mean I can't be critical of the way they played the game, right? Like I just said, we're talking top 10, New Year's 6, at-large, access and respect. There's the standard. We're not talking about top 25, who's going to win the Sun Belt, who could be the runner-up. That, that's, that's not the level of respect we're talking about here. So when I watched that, like I just broke down for you, I didn't see it. I really didn't see it. Um... The second thing I want to get to is that I'm surprised BYU didn't win the battle in the trenches with the size advantage, and they didn't handle the pressure very well collectively. So that game is not an indictment on the play or the future of Zach Wilson. I I still think he's going to be drafted really high. I think he's got a tremendous upside. Um, uh, Watching him at the next level is going to be fun. But it didn't look good for the team as a whole. 
right? Dropped a huge pass on fourth and one. Got handled in the trenches at times when you had the advantage. They're putting together nine-minute drives on you, running the ball down your throat. That shouldn't happen with how big you are. And I know that the Coastal O-line played well. Uh, they play bigger than they are. And they're the mighty mites. You know, they're, they're small, but they, they, they play so fundamentally sound and they play together. That's wonderful. But if you do the same on your exact opposite end, you're bigger and you should push them around. That should have happened. They should have won that matchup, in my opinion, and they didn't. Uh, Jackson running backwards for 20 yards, which is still the most bizarre play of the night. Uh, muffed a punt. Got lucky to get it back. Bad fumble on your own side of the field. And you did all of this while being favored and supported by so many nationally for this game. Kirk Herbstreit. You know, we could go through all the different names. Reese Davis. Everybody's out there banging the drum, making the case for you. You're being disrespected. You're, you know, this team has been unbelievable. And then the lights got bright and you guys didn't have it. And that goes to my number three thing. This team didn't have the same stuff that previous non-Power 5 teams had in this state with special years. So it's been about once or twice a decade at most um, that this state gets a a really special team at the non-Power 5 level. And then the question is whether or not they have what it takes to be historically special. So last year's Utah team was the first great P5 team that we've had in this market, and they had a chance to do something really special, and sadly that did not go well and they did not play well when the lights were bright in that Pac-12 championship game. They missed out on everything. A, a, a potential playoff spot, which they very well may have won uh, if they won the game. Definitely, you know, Rose Bowl was out the window. Everything. They had their chance for that, and they missed. Um, so we've had four really special non-Power 5 teams. I've listed them as 84 BYU. They won the national title. Uh, most accomplished, but I didn't think their performance level was better than some of the other great non-Power 5 teams. 96 BYU, really high ranking, won a really big bowl game, uh, th- that Cotton Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl is now a New Year's Six bowl game. So that was, that was a great team. I think they finished top five. Um, 04 Utah, that's the best team in the history of the state. They dominated almost every second of the season. That coaching staff was on an entirely different level. And that's the one non-P5 team that I've ever seen historically that I thought if you had an expanded playoff and you put them in that, they'd be scary. They'd be scary. You give them all the extra time to prepare for an opponent and you're not used to their style of play. Those like I'm not picking them to win the national title, but I'm telling you, they would have stressed a lot of those really good teams that year. Uh, 08 Utah. They finished with the number two ranking. They had the best resume out of any of those teams when you look at quality of opponents, right, and the the opponent rankings. Um, But not always by quality of performance if you grade the season like an SAT. Quick note, Utah State, they had some great teams in recent years. None of those teams land into that same category um, uh, when I look at that whole thing, in my opinion. Although they do deserve a lot of respect, like, you know, an 11-2 and year like Matt Wells had. But comparing this BYU team to some of those others was really hard because of those level levels of opponents, right? Like the variables of COVID, the explosion of Zach Wilson, that was obvious. But most felt that they, they hadn't really been uh, tested and that they were untested for the biggest honors. So the conversation shifted in some way, and I, I believed that, you know, there were very few comparisons I could really make with any of those other teams based on quality 
of opponent and then quality of performance. The one that I thought was comparable was the first nine games of the 08 Utah team and the first nine games of this BYU team. That was the only one that I would make. And I I thought that it was reasonable. I really did. Uh, Because people forget that that 08 Utah team was tremendous, but they weren't as good in the first nine games as they were in those final four games. See, they were top 10 after nine games. Like, their ranking was awesome. But they had a handful of performances that weren't top 10 level, like Air Force and New Mexico and Michigan and Weber State, to name a few, right? Those weren't top 10 level performances. This BYU team had a very different ranking for the AP compared to the college football playoff, right? Like, they were top 10. But they also had a handful of performances that were not top 10. So that Utah team back in 2008, their first nine games, they played against teams that had a combined record of 42 and 56. Uh, Don't sell me on the Michigan win being the greatest thing ever. That was the worst Michigan team of all time. They were three and nine. They were atrocious and you barely beat them. And don't give me this. It's, I I had a, a guy that I know really well, who's big college football fan. And his argument was, well, It's still Michigan. Okay, I'm the biggest Michigan fan ever, and I'll tell you, big stadiums, helmet stickers, and cool fight songs don't win football games. It was an atrocious team. Atrocious. Um, You didn't know that at the time because they were ranked 25th, new coach, new situation, who knows. But in the end, we look at it and we're like, yeah, that, that wasn't a very good team. So point being, they got by. They really got by with some performances that weren't really top 10 level. And the one thing we weren't sure about with this BYU team was could they show they had another level? Because that BYU team in 96 showed it. The 04 Utes had it from start to finish. But that 08 team had a very different level the last four games compared to the first nine. And it wasn't just about opponents. Quarterback play for that team was the biggest difference for Utah in that jump that they took. Brian Johnson's play in the first nine games compared to the last four was night and day. Especially if you look at what Johnson did from the final drive against TCU through the end of that year. He was 13 TDs, one pick, 73% completion percentage, 307 yards a game. He had four games in the first nine. He didn't even break 200 yards. 12 TDs, seven picks. He almost gave the game away against Air Force. And they were trying to just let the defense win it against New Mexico 13 to 10. That's a bad performance if we're talking this standard, right? But when the lights were brightest, Brian Johnson and that Utah football team, they were unreal. Unreal. So I always felt that you could compare the first nine games and only compare performance level, right? Not uh, theoretical head-to-head if they met on a neutral field. Not personnel-to-personnel based on who went to the NFL draft, all that. No, 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 none of that. Just just performance level, meaning the high quality of performance against teams they were sp- supposed to beat. Uh, that Utah team had a great win over uh, uh, Oregon State and a team that finished 19th with a ranking and was in it for the Rose Bowl towards the end. So as you look at that, you you definitely give that win a lot more respect. And even then... Even in that win, they were fortunate Mike Riley badly mismanaged when to go for two. Different story. But the point is, performance level overall. That's what I was looking at in those nine games. And I felt they were comparable. 
It wasn't a future prediction on what uh, BYU would do. They had to have the chance to prove it, and then they had to go prove it. So for this BYU team, their quarterback was already established as great, but the rest of the group didn't show well on that stage. So many unforced errors. Sloppy play. Didn't dominate in the trenches with a size advantage. And quite frankly, I thought the pressure got to them at times. It was noticeable. And if you're going to be something really special, you're going to need to handle that pressure better than they did. The pressure needs to be something that you welcome with open arms. And BYU did that from the outset, right? Like they scheduled the game, they traveled out there, they said, hey, we'll take this game on, we believe we can win it. Um, But I didn't think they did it while being on the stage. And that leads me to point number four, which is that you can't scream and yell for that kind of respect and then get tight when the money's on the table. Your team was asking for at-large New Year's Six respect. A number of people out there really believed you deserved it. The committee did not believe it. You were asking for something that's usually reserved and graded based on high-level P5 performance, and you wanted to receive it for high-level G5 results. And the performance level was great, but really unproven. So this was a chance to still make a great statement and against a team that you held quite an advantage over. You had the better quarterback. You had the, better, the bigger D-line. You were favored. Both teams had the same amount of prep time. But you were coming off of a bye week with a tune-up game to polish things off in your most recent performance. And I still believe that this BYU team had the players to win that game, and I would still say they had the better unit, the better team. I really do believe that. But there was no excuse, in my opinion, to play that poorly. They should have won that game. And in college football, you get very few chances to really put your best foot forward. And BYU didn't play their best game on the biggest stage. That's what special teams do. So this team, great year, big year, huge step forward, all those different things. But to hit the level of special, uh, they were more than just a yard short. I think there were a number of other elements that played a part into BYU uh, not being able to reach the level uh, that they had hoped in 2020. 20. Thanks so much for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast. As always, we're right here on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We always love it when you're a part of the show. Email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. Always love the feedback. Always love the interaction. Uh, find me on all forms of social media at TonyParks801. Thanks so much for listening here today. We appreciate you as always. And thank you each and every single time for tuning in right here on the Tony Parks Podcast with the Utah Podcast Network.